So teenagers will tell you exactly like it is. They had no problems answering that question about what annoys them about their parents, but also what they love. And they know that we love them, even in the midst of those times. So thank you, teenagers. Appreciate your help in that. Well, how many of you ran track in high school? Or you've been to a track meet, okay, a few of you around, you've been to a track meet for your kids or whatever. And if you think about the relay race, okay, what's the most important part of the relay race? Making sure you have that good baton pass, right? Races are won or lost about whether you can get that baton in the hand of the next person. And teams practice this over and over and over again because it is so critical to being able to master that race, to make sure that you can get that baton in the next person's hand and they can keep running with it as they go. And we're going to use this metaphor today to talk about passing the baton of faith. Why is this so important? Because really the future of the Christian faith depends on a solid baton pass. The future of the Christian faith really depends on a solid baton pass. And parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and even older siblings, we have the great uh, calling and privilege and responsibility really to be able to hand that baton of faith over. It's one of the things that we have as Christian parents, as Christian grandparents, as Christian aunts and uncles or however that fits for you, that's one of the things that we have the ability to do is to carry on and to invest in scriptural principles to invest in the next generation. And those of you who even don't have children yet, I just want to encourage you to listen today so you can understand how to build that important spiritual foundation for your family someday as well. The future of the Christian faith depends on a solid baton pass. And we're in this uh, series of messages this month called Building Strong Families. And what we want to do is talk about how you and I can be a part of investing in the next generation so that they too will grow to know Jesus and to love him and to bring the healing work of Christ to our nation and to our world. And that takes all of us, all of us investing and understanding that spiritual legacy that we have and that spiritual um, ability that we have to pass on. So just for a moment, we've been talking about rain this morning, we've been talking about all kinds of things. I want you to think about a beautiful May day, and the sun is shining on you, and the snow is all gone, and you are out on that track, okay? You can think of whatever age you want to be. But you're energized, and you're excited, and you're on that spiritual track. And your relay team is your family, your kids or your grandkids, And you want to think today about how do you make that solid baton pass of faith. And I want to look at four different ways that we can do that for the next generation this morning. So let's pray as we get started. Gracious God, we come to this day worshiping you, praising you. But Lord, we just want to bring our families to you today. Lord, maybe there are people in our families that are just struggling and and going through a rough time. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be mended. Lord, we just bring all of that stuff of our families to you this morning. And just ask that you would work in the midst of all of it to bring beautiful things out of it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to put all the distractions of life aside for just a few moments that we might hear from your spirit what you would have for us this morning. 
In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at a section from Deuteronomy this morning. It was actually the words of Moses as he was uh, nearing the end of his life and they were instructions that he he was giving to the Israelite people. So we're going to start with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. You'll see it there on the screen. He was saying to the people that day, he says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. And these commands I give to you today are to be upon your hearts and then impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And these, really, these verses provide a foundation as we think about passing on this spiritual legacy to the next generation. This is where they come from. And if we want to be able to have a successful baton pass, if we want to be able to uh, invest in the next generation spiritually, we're going to walk through four different ways to do that using our metaphor this morning. And the first one is this. You have to keep your eye on the goal. You have to keep your eye on the goal. When you're running that race, one of the important things that they tell you is don't look back. To hold your hand out and to know that the person in front of you or behind you is going to place that there so that you can carry it forward. And you have to keep your eye always on the goal. Keep your eye on what is ahead. Now, as a Christian parent, if you have to boil it all down, what is the goal spiritually for your kids as they grow? If we had to boil it all down from all that Scripture teaches us for our kids, what would we say is the main goal? Perhaps it would be related to this verse right here. The goal for your child or the goal for your grandchild is that they would love the Lord their God with all of their heart and all of their soul and all of their strength and then to love their neighbor as themselves. If we have to boil everything that we want for our kids spiritually, maybe we could do that as our goal thinking forward. How can I train my children so that they will love God with all that they are and to love their neighbor as themselves? And to be able to do that consistently over and over again and day by day. That's the goal that we're pressing forward, that they would develop a worldview of pleasing God. Achievement's good, and and we want them to have a career that's fulfilling and all of those things. But if we think about it from a spiritual perspective, we want them to love and to serve God. So how do we get to that goal? How do we do that from the time that they're these wee little ones that can barely walk until they go out on their own? And so we have to stay focused on that zone, that little part of the track where one runner hands the baton to the next one. That's what we're going to focus on this morning, that one zone. And parents, that's all we get. It's a pretty quick zone. Just like in a race, it is only so long. And that zero to 18 years, it happens and it goes by in a flash. And so we have to be thinking about that. We have to be persistent about that. We have to know and to focus on that. How do we build that kind of spirituality into our kids and keep our eyes on the big goal? We can get distracted with all the squabbles and all the stuff of life. But to keep our eyes on that big goal, when we see faith as one of the most valuable assets that we can give to our children, we're more likely to have a solid baton transfer. It's one of the most important things that you can give to your kids is a strong spiritual foundation. The second part of that is that we need to practice regularly. We have to practice regularly, just as in a race. We have to practice transferring that baton over and over 
and over again. And for us as parents and grandparents, it begins by modeling that in our own lives. What does it mean in your own life and in mine for us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves? How does that get translated? What does that look like on a daily basis? What does it look like on a weekly basis? What does it look like for us to really love God with all that we are? And then to be able to model that, we're not going to be able to give our children or grandchildren something we aren't living ourselves. And so it starts with us with those spiritual habits in our own lives to practice living out faith. Batons, they don't get transferred in a vacuum. They don't get transferred when you're 10 feet apart. They get transferred when we're walking and running right alongside of our kids in the context of that relationship. John Maxwell, he has a great quote. He says this about parenting. He says, you can teach your children what you know, but you'll reproduce in them what you are. You can teach your children what you know, but you will reproduce in them what you are. And so they're watching you. They're watching to see if we're consistent. If our children see us making church and worship a priority, they're more likely to see it as important. If they see you serving or volunteering, they're more likely to incorporate that spirit into their own lives as well. Christianity, like kindness, is often more caught than taught. And on the other side of that, if you as parents aren't taking the time to pray or to worship, they are more likely to think that it's not important for their own lives as well. So what spiritual habits, parents and grandparents, do they see in you that you're consistently learning about God in your own life as well? They want to know. Are the things that you say about faith consistent with what you do? They're going to know that. Kids, they can just smell that. So can teenagers, right? They know exactly if what you're saying is accurate and true or not. And so we have to practice what we preach over and over and over again. And it becomes part of that process then that those kinds of things are going to come out of our mouth and our lips and our heart. Parents are more likely to raise kingdom-minded kids if they do these things. If you genuinely love God yourself, if you pray daily, if you worship regularly, if you read the Bible for your own personal development, if you participate in the life of a spiritual community, if you apply your gifts and resources in ways that influence others. It's those five things that they're going to watch and they're going to see in you. And then they're going to want to be able to do that in their own life. When you live out of a biblical worldview, when that is the lens through which you make your decisions and your life, then they're going to be able to pick up on that and begin to understand that because it's going to come out of what you talk about and the advice that you give and all of those kinds of things. And so we have to practice regularly in our own faith, those own, our own spiritual habits, in order to make that solid baton pass to the future. So we have to keep our eyes on the goal. We have to practice regularly. And then we have to use some teachable moments. To use some teachable moments. We do this all the time. In fact, it says right here in Scripture, it says, impress these commandments on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The Hebrew word for impress is the word teach. Now, the Hebrew term has two different kind of meanings to it. 
The Hebrew word teach, it means kind of what we think about, sort of this formal lecture where you, you know, talk about it and you have a presentation and, you know, you do it in that way. That's not the meaning in this particular verse. The word impress in the Hebrew language right here is this idea of daily conversation. How do you teach people in the midst of daily conversation? And the stuff that you do all the time and the things that you talk about, you talk about that with your kids and grandkids. You talk about sports or you talk about um, the latest video game or you talk about uh, quilting or whatever it is that you talk with your kids about. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying, how can you do this in the part of your average, everyday, normal conversations? That's how we get a chance to pass on the baton of faith. Maybe we could summarize it by saying, teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home or when you're out for a walk. Or teach them at bedtime or first thing in the morning. It's just this casual thing. Christianity isn't just something for the weekends. It happens in the midst of life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And those teachable moments come in all kinds of ways and all kinds of times. Somehow, I, I don't remember, I was just young, but we must have had this tradition of every night for prayers, we would kneel by the bedside. And I didn't remember that tradition except for one night when my dad, and I, I remember the blue carpet that was on the floor of my bedroom, and one night as we were praying there by the side of our bed, I looked at my dad and I said, Daddy, I want to have Jesus in my heart like you and Mommy. I don't know that it was any special night one or the other, but that was the first time that I asked Jesus into my heart, and my dad said, well, okay, we can do that right now. Let's pray right now and have Jesus into your heart. And I didn't know when that night was going to be, and neither did he, but that was the first time in the midst of that uh, time that we always prayed before bed that we get a chance to do that. These teachable moments happen in all kinds of ways and all kinds of times. Maybe your kid is going to ask a spiritual question in the midst of video games or at a dance recital afterward or on the soccer field or a restaurant. They just happen. And to be able to be there to the best of our ability to answer those spiritual questions, that's our job. As parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles, etc. I had another example of a parent who told me a story. She took her kids to the grocery store one day and her, her little daughter was pretty young. And when she got home, she took off her daughter's coat, and there was a candy bar. How did that get there, she asked. Well, I took it from the grocery store aisle, the little girl said. And the mom said, well, we have a job to do. So she put away the groceries, and the mom got the little girl back into the car, and they went back to the grocery store. And she had that little girl take that candy bar. They found a manager and had her apologize to the manager. You know, in a big corporate grocery store, did they really perhaps need that candy bar back? No, but that little girl and that mom had a teachable moment there about this is a way that we honor God and this wasn't honoring to God and giving a chance to be able to understand that and teach them character and how to honor God even in those toddler years. It happens over and over and over again. How do we teach what it means to love God? How does it teach what it means to serve God? How do we teach what it means to honor God in the everyday points of life? It happens in different ways at different times. Now, sometimes as Christian parents, we think, all right, this is my job. And it's my job to take this baton, and I'm going to put it in their hand over and over and over again. And sometimes it can be almost too much. 
because we're trying to force it down our kids' throats. And so we have to find the balance there. The baton pass works the best when we're consistent, 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 and putting it there so that the child wants to take it and carry it for the future. And that's the balance that we have to find with our kids and our grandkids as they grow. We want them to be able to take that baton because they see it as the best way to live and the best way to be connected to our creator. And that's what makes a solid baton pass. So the fourth thing I want to look at today is that in the midst of all of that, we need to give some clear instructions. We need to give some clear instructions. So often I think we teach our kids to do something, but we don't necessarily tell them why. We say you need to go to church, but we don't necessarily tell them why. We say, you know, you need to give to the church, but we don't teach them how much. We say, you know, you really should read your Bible, but we don't really teach them how. And so it's our job as parents and grandparents to help our kids to understand why we do things. It's important for you to be a member, but we need to explain why. And children go through different stages of spiritual development. And so I want to go through those briefly, if you'll just hang with me for a couple of moments. They're right on your sheet, so if you have that, if you're online or in person, I'm going to go through these stages real quick because I want you to see if your kids or your grandkids are at any of these stages, what is the best way, the most specific way, that you can give some instruction at their age? So here are a couple of those. If you have a child or grandchildren that are very, very young in the birth to three years, the best thing you can do for them is to help them get excited about faith. Develop those small traditions like praying together before you go to bed and read them those really cool Bible stories and sing songs with them. Begin to just help them understand that faith is a part of our life. If you have someone who's three to five years, they're going to ask you some pretty strange questions and they might take you off guard a little bit. These little kids, they love to ask, you know, what does God wear? And where is heaven? And how did God come into being? And those questions, you know, you might think, okay, how do I not screw my kid up here? And the best thing you can do, turn the question back to them. Say, well, what do you think God wears? And where do you think God lives? And help them have an imagination about some of these stories and things that they're learning about. That's okay. And help them to have some hands-on experience. That's really important in that age as well. When they're kind of getting a little bit older and they're 6 to 10, they're going to have some harder spiritual questions. And that's okay. Answer those to the best of your ability. They're learning. They're trying to put things into practice. And the biggest thing they're going to be watching you in that 6 to 10 age and older, do you practice what you preach? Are mom and dad living out these things that they're telling me to do? Share about what God's doing in your life. Teach children how to pray, how to study the Bible, how to worship. It's really important. Then in that 11 to 13 years, okay, as they begin, you know, the whole stage of puberty and learning about all that, what do we do with teenagers? It's important to talk about your faith with them. And the most important thing you can do in this stage is to tell them your faith story. Do they know your faith story, parents? and grandparents. How did you come to know God? What is most important to you about your faith? 
How has God brought you and provided for you at different stages of your life? Don't sit them down, you know, and give them the four-hour speech all together. But help them understand that little by little. Invite them to ask questions. Develop some service habits and a sense of community. That's why youth group is so important in that time. And then in those older teenage years, 14 to 18, you're slowly giving them some more decision-making rope. And you're giving them less commands and more eye-to-eye, helping them understand and live out their faith. Help them study the Bible. Maybe you want to do it with them. Begin to pray with them. Share some of your struggles. Help them to be good stewards of the resources they've been given. And if they ask some questions about other faiths, it's okay. Explore that with them. Point out some similarities and differences. And that all becomes a part of the relationship that you've started the spiritual training for all of these years And you want to eventually, as they get to be that older teenager, that they're going to reach back and they're going to grab the baton and be able to carry it forward into the future. I give those to you just as a kind of a basic framework so that you can know sort of where your kids or grandkids are at and how you can be a part of that. But as we close today, I want to ask the question, who gave, first gave the spiritual baton to you? You know, Jesus, he gathered his disciples together and he taught them and he trained them. And then he handed them the baton of faith and he said, now you go and share this with people around you. And it's been passed from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. And who first gave this baton to you? Who helped you first to know that there was a God or who Jesus was? Was that your parents? Was it your grandparents? Was it a friend, a neighbor? Did you come to faith later in life? Who first gave this baton to you. Thank that person and the investment that they made in your spiritual life. And then the question I want to leave you with today is, who are you passing that baton on to? You see, if all of us, as Christian parents and grandparents, if we begin to earnestly and to to diligently help our children to grow in faith, we'll begin to see a spiritual awakening unlike we've seen in a long time. How are you and I going to multiply and invest in the next generation to leave a spiritual legacy? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, if we're honest, sometimes we feel like we're doing this baton pass really well and things are going good. And honestly, there are times and weeks and months and perhaps even years where we feel like it's just not going very well at all. And sometimes we take this baton and we put it on the shelf for a little while. And sometimes we drop it. And sometimes, Lord, we just honestly don't know what to do to help our kids. But God, I pray I pray that you would help us, Lord, to inspire our hearts today with this great privilege and responsibility that we have and to be able to pick up that baton and keep practicing over and over and over again so that our kids and grandkids might know and see your love first in us and how that makes a difference in how we see the world and how we treat others and how we live so that one day, they're going to want to grab that baton and carry it forward for their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids too. So Lord, help us. 
Help us to be sensitive to your timing. Help us to be sensitive to your will and to your plan so that we might continually invest, Lord, in that spiritual way for the next generation. Thanks, God. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.